0: Welcome back to There Will Be Movies. This is a podcast where we talk about 25 of our favourite movies from a given decade. This is volume 2, 2010 to 2019. We've reached the 2019 part of it. We don't have many of these left. This is episode... 47 book smart my name is matt i am the guy with all the wrong opinions i'm joined as always by ben the people's champion the critics choice ben how are you
1: i'm really good i stayed up far too late watching what lies beneath of course uh, which is
0: (laughs) we've all been thoroughly
1: thoroughly mediocre movie yeah
0: oh yeah (laughs) big time
1: genuinely shocked the people apparently like it i was just out there going like this is very dull Shot yeah. half an hour of this thing and make it dumber and it's probably a lot of fun
0: yeah. but
1: it's just a lot of Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer just kind of
0: I think you've you've captured the appeal there in, in, in two names and then the last half an hour of it
1: is like oh look it's pulpy fun but it yeah. comes yeah. 90 <laughs> minutes too late but um, we're not talking Robert Zemeckis
0: 2000s no we're most definitely not we're talking Olivia Wilde's debut movie Booksmart before she heads off to superhero camp her next film sounds really fucking interesting actually
1: a production is still shut down as of recording I think mm. someone on the cast got Covid ah, Shot horror in 2020 someone got Covid that um, shut a movie down
0: but just an insane cast that includes Nick Kroll and Harry Styles and Florence Pugh and yeah but no, we're talking about Smart, a film we both chose, but I will be hosting in order to spread things out. It feels like a nice mirror to hold up to my pick of Superbad for Volume 1, and I feel like it's kind of depressing that the idea of smart, cool girls being friends feels like a fucking revelation in cinema, but here we are, where this film feels like a breath of fresh air, because it's full of people that sound like actual teenagers, rather than they were written by 50-year-olds. It's, um, it's
1: weird to think that there's this, like, burst of... And I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, it feels like it happened in an awful lot of media in, like, the last ten years. Yeah. And I don't know if it's just walls getting broken down or mm. we finally have the thing where, like, girls can be horny too. But, like, <laughs> in television and music and in movies, there's just this whole swathe of, like, these artists and people getting the ability to make these things. And I'm not saying that there isn't good music for a female artist before now, but... Mm. Like, well, what
0: happened it, is St. Vincent was so (laughs) horny. The world became hornier by extent.
1: But it is just weird that like an awful lot of my favourite stuff from the, the last five ten years mm. has been horny zombies. women, yeah. horny women. These female <laughs> creatives who are finally getting a chance to do this kind of thing. Like Booksmart's yeah. great. Janelle Monae's albums are fantastic. Mm. You've got stuff like Penis on on or Pen Fifteen on ten Hulu. Fifth,
0: please like, don't tell on them. The Hulu will finally realise what it means and cut it. Blockers mm. is a movie I I like a lot, but not enough to put on the list, and certainly not more than Booksmart. Smart, but like my favorite line in that movie is like when they're talking about candle, you know, which which candle is it that makes you horny? It's like all candles make me horny. Can I? <laughs> it's just like yeah, good. Let's capture this. Women are horny and love serial killers, and we're here for it. I think, I think <laughs> the, book's about the book issue, not that, the issue with Blockers in
1: comparison to this, mm. I feel, is that it has the Superbad issue as well, where it feels obligated to include the adults, <laughs> the adults
0: yeah. who are worse than I think Seth Rogen and Bill Hader are in Superbad, but yeah. Um, um, and obviously
1: that's where the star power
0: comes from. Exactly, and that's why it makes like 70 million extra dollars compared to this, because look, we got fucking John Cena and Ike Bernholtz and Leslie Mann, and you know, they're all perfectly fine, but that feels like the far more generic comedy part of the movie compared to these three revelatory actresses, particularly, um, fuck's sake.
1: Oh, Veraldine Vish. <clears throat> no, go on. Yeah. <laughs> Geraldine I fan.
0: Yes, her. She feels like she is somebody to watch for the future for me personally.
1: She is the leader of the Broken Heart Gallery, which I've heard mm. is a perfectly fun little rom-com from this year that I think ran in <laughs> cinemas for all week. They were open over here.
0: But, you know, the, the story of, of this movie is, unfortunately, despite just absolutely everybody that's seen it, falling over backwards to sing its praises, nobody fucking saw it. You've got J.J. Abrams basically saying this is emblematic of, you know, we want to protect small cinema, but then nobody puts their money where their mouth is, and it's like, what chance does a movie that isn't about superheroes have? I mean, we've talked about this a little bit, like, you know, horror has a chance, obviously, but it feels like you've got to be one of those two, or you're just going to be an A24 director streaming I mean, it's still a profitable movie, on a budget of 6 million at mid-25, but it's depressing that not more people saw it, because it's just delightful.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think this is is very much the case of, it's hard to promote something with people that no one knows, and as great as Caitlin Dever and Beanie Feldstein are, Mm. they're not huge box office drawers. I think everyone kind of expected this to do better, but it is opening in that window of, like, post-Avengers...
0: But I'm sorry, but Michael Cera and Jonah Hill, ironically Jonah, I I did not know that his real last name is Feldstein. They were not names. And everyone flooded to see Superbad. And they didn't put Seth Rogen and Bill Hader on the poster. And Bill Hader wasn't at the point where everyone was like, oh, let's go see the latest Bill Hader movie. But Judd Apatow was. I know, but like, I guess they just put, like, Knocked Up all over the poster, didn't they? Like,
1: Like, it's it's from the producers of Knocked Up and 40-Year-Old Virgin.
0: Yeah. It's just such a shame because, I mean, you know, I know I was Person that puts Super Bad on the list, and I clearly like it more than you. And I, I'm not trying to trash Super Bad, but like, where is this movie's Super Bad moment? This groundswell? Because Super Bad was like a word of mouth phenomenon as well. Like, everyone was like, oh, you've got to see Super Bad. Like, that had legs. And this, you and I, obviously, enthusiastic about it, and probably told lots of people to go see it, but it just didn't translate. And I don't get it because it's so good. It's the same as Super Bad, or, you know, we don't cover a lot of comedies on this podcast because comedy's quite hard to talk about because you're just sort of listing jokes and like I don't necessarily find this that funny anymore but I still think it's just super good like on every other level. The
1: one thing holding this back, or like the biggest thing holding it back is it doesn't have that McLovin like hook in the trailer. Because I feel like that's something that suit super, like super bad had that like in an era where we do not have catchphrases where like the last big catchphrase <laughs> from the movie is probably my wife from mm. Borat like 14 years ago is the last time that a movie actually probably permeate permeated culture with like a memetic phrase McLovin is the closest that the Apatow movies have ever gotten to that kind of yeah. and yeah. and and because of that it like there's something you're able to talk about with your friends whereas this movie there isn't exactly like that quotable line there isn't that it's just how good was this and hell even when I'm talking about it I go like Jesus Christ the scene at the pool or the scene after the swimming in the pool is (laughs) fucking incredible and it's like oh look the least funny scene in the movie is like something they absolutely fucking nail in the way that Superbad just doesn't like the emotion in Superbad is very much like bros being bros, whereas yeah. the emotion in Booksmart feels like incredibly well emotionally calibrated to figure out like exactly this kind of tension of post high school well, yeah, I, feelings and
0: yeah, I feel John Patel has no interest in being a like artistic auteur or anything. You know, like, he is a... He knows comedy, obviously. Like, he ran one of the greatest comedy shows ever, but, like, he is basically just... The cameras exists to deliver the comedy, whereas I feel Olivia Wilde actually has shown incredible promise as, like, an honest-to-God... Filmmaker, you know, and like it, well, it's th- also really funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I th- yeah, I think that is true. Like, Jared Apatow is not as proficient a filmmaker as yeah. as Olivia Wilde proves to be in this movie. But I do think the most interesting about Judd Apatow in this last kind of like five ten years is he's basically gone. You know what? I have done my ideas. My role yeah. now is to basically point a camera at people who I think have got up-and-coming chops. It's why, like, his last two movies are Trainwreck and King of Staten Island, which Mm. are basically just like, these are two comedians who I really enjoy. I will direct a movie starring them,
0: featuring their voices. I cannot get a beat on popular consensus on Pete David. I feel he is equally loathed and liked <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> I think people really like him it's just he's obviously the butt of so many jokes Like yeah. I like don't. he barely shows up in SNL sketches and when he <laughs> does show up in SNL sketches he's normally the butt of the joke or not
0: well I thought he sort of soft left the cast and then he just sort of guests a lot but maybe he is still part of the cast I, mean, so I, don't I know. think
1: the only thing that I see him crop up in is the yearly appearance of John Mulaney uh, of <laughs> John Mulaney now yeah. when, like, well they're he friends is, so yeah. yeah and but like he's one of the two guys that's obviously like who talks to John Mulaney before they go off onto their like 17 musical medley that they <laughs> yes. go off and doing right.
0: like that big sketch. Yeah, anyway, this is our Saturday Night Live podcast. Most of it's terrible. There you go. I summed it up. Jim Carrey's Joe Biden impersonation is terrible. Yes. Just <laughs> let's do this now.
1: Absolutely awful. Yes, yes. don't yes. understand why they've got Jim Carrey. I really hope Jim Carrey does not spend the next four years doing SNL.
0: Well. How many times did Baldwin play Trump?
1: 30 or, like, it was literally like he would show up every other episode at points. Yeah,
0: well, I'd say less than that, but more than you're hoping for. (laughs) So this movie, big female energy, female director, female leads, four female writers. So originally drafted by Emily Halpern and Sarah Haskins, who worked on Trophy Wife and Blackish. They wrote this draft in, like, 2009. It was on the Hollywood blacklist. Forever in d- Development Hell. Then Susanna Fogel, who wrote Life Partners, which I forgot I had seen, and then the, or oh, forgot was even a movie, and then when I saw the poster, I was like, oh, I've totally seen that. That's the film with Britta, where, like, they're best friends. The spy who dumped me with Justin Theroux that looked... she in 2014 when anna perna picked it up she did like a revise on it she made amy gay and like they were originally trying to find boyfriends basically and she dropped that aspect of it and then finally uh katie silberman who wrote the very bad looking isn't it romantic which is a rom-com with rebel wilson (laughs) but she is apparently just Olivia Wilde's BFF, because she is writing both of her next two movies, so, yeah. She added the idea of it just being, like, it's that energy that, like, 21 Jump Street has, but made less ridiculous, where, like, the popular kids are smart too, kind of thing. And it's more about oh, we did high school wrong, kind of thing. Like, that that was her. So it goes through these four writers, and obviously Olivia Wilde adds some stuff to it too, but they never credit directors for writing movies because then it just gets messy. But yeah, and that helps a lot, I think, having all this female energy on this movie. And then Alison Williams does Alison Williams things and puts together a phenomenal cast. We will talk about the movie in a moment, but Benjamin, this box office titan, how did it do in the UK for its
1: opening weekend? I genuinely don't know. I think the interesting wrinkle about this movie is that it opens up on a Monday in the UK. Mm. So, I don't, like, it genuinely, it must be at number 16, I'm assuming, because the BFI, all they do is they have a top 15 with all the movies that are in it, and then they only list movies that are part UK funded. And obviously, oh, booksmart God. has no, has no UK funding, so it doesn't get put onto that list. And for, but for whatever reason, it also doesn't get spit into the openers because I assume it wasn't opening that weekend because it had five days worth of tracking information. Yeah. So it opens behind movies such as Aladdin, Godzilla: King of Monsters, The Secret Life of Pets Two, Rocket Man, Detective Pikachu, John Wick Three, Ma, Endgame, Paw Patrol: Mighty Pups, and The Hustle.
0: There is some decent competition in there in terms of box office straws. So. This This is
1: this is like the first opening salvo of the summer. Like it was a massively disappointing summer across the board for Hollywood, apart from Endgame. I think everything underperformed Men in Black underperformed, Godzilla underperformed there's these huge, huge, huge bombs at the UK box office this this summer, but it's all because Avengers Endgame goes on to be the highest grossing movie of all time Yeah, I mean,
0: you know, it's expensive to go to the movies these days and I sound a million years old I think that's the thing, and I think it's also a core cool reason why Booksmart
1: doesn't do that well, is because I get the feeling that a lot of people would look at this and go, oh, I, could, I don't need to see that in the cinema even though yeah. being in a cinema or watching it is a fucking great experience, because you you're just cackling out loud with like everyone else is in the cinema with
0: you. yeah that's the thing that is the thing these days it's like what am i willing to spend however much it costs to see a film in your city these days and like it is a lot to ask to hand over that much cash to see something that you have no idea about although i will say i feel as a marketing strategy they put out the first eight minutes on youtube or something like that and i remember seeing it and like we can transition into like the movie itself here but like that very first scene i was like i am 100% all in like seeing these these two girls just Dancing and and like being friends in that opening scene, I was like, "Yep, cool, sign me up." It's and... funny how similar it is to Superbad as yep. well.
1: From that opening of like coming to pick up your best friend to go to school, except yeah. it doesn't have the like porn. the weird, <laughs> they doesn't have the porn or the weird gross horniness of of Jonah Hill's character going like, "I want to buy a I want to buy a porn subscription," and also your mum is hot. Well, that's it's...
0: dudes not being able to communicate, so they just rag on each other constantly so
1: oh sure and it's just it's, it's nice to have this contrast of like these two fully supporting each other mm. and then just kind of like doing awkward robot dance and like <laughs> i've missed you so much since i last saw you like being very open with their emotions yeah, yeah from yeah. this like opening moment well, that's what um, i was saying
0: at the beginning like it, it's so weird that people just being friends feels like a, a a thing that cinema hasn't really done before kind of thing but like this movie is just a fucking love story or a breakup movie about two friends it's basically what I sing the praises of those final ten minutes of Superbad about, but made into, like, a whole film, and it does it better. So, like, Yeah, it's just really nice seeing these two. Like, Caitlin Debo and Beanie Feldstein, like, at Olivia Wilde's suggestion, they live together for ten weeks to build chemistry and like so much of this is just coming from their own natural rapport and they were invited to rewrite their dialogue if any of it didn't feel authentic and katie silberman was like doing rewrites on the set and like she said that she was able to particularly find um beanie feldstein's voice once she actually met her and saw her work kind of thing and yeah they just have this whole cast has such an infectiously good energy about them like everybody, right down to the people that have like five lines and we barely get the names of. They're all fantastic.
1: I think when I first watched this movie, that was my big complaint, was I came out of this movie and I was like, it feels very vignette-y hmm. in a way that I think is a disservice to a lot of the cast, hmm. and I wish they developed more of these relationships more. And like I wish they got to the big party sooner and there was more stuff there, but like I've watched this movie three times now, and I'm like, Oh, I'm dumb. Like, this (laughs) this movie gets, like, everything it needs to do out of the way. I was trying to find something to not like about it, but this movie is actually incredibly smart, incredibly economical. The only thing, again, is, like, I wish there was a little bit less of the adults. I wish there wasn't so much of, like, each interstitial in between each party even then like i'm like no 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 this movie is is fucking great like the stuff that it's doing is is so much more impressive that i gave it credit for the first time i saw it even if i did have a great time it hasn't moved anywhere in my like yearly rankings for 2019 it's just it's gone up a half star because i'm like i'm grossly underserving like how good this movie is and how intelligent and, and, like, the way it deploys its cast. Like, this is mm. an incredibly effective deployment of such a huge ensemble cast. Even it's insane.
0: Off- like, right down to, like, Theo and Tanner and Nick. Well, I guess Nick is, like, you know, th- the object of Molly's affections. But, like, s- he barely has any lines. Still so well cast. Um, mm. You know, just the dumbass frat boys at the parties are great. And A has some of the best lines in the movie. <laughs> like, and I'm going to call her that because they call the character that in the... <laughs>
1: when it when it came up in the subtitles on the dvd i i definitely laughed because yeah. i was like, i was not expecting yeah. them to internally credit her as
0: triple a her line of i am incredible at hand jobs and i also got this really high score on the sat's it's like that's probably the best line in the movie <laughs> like, you know there's not a lot of plot here they just basically gradually are getting to this party so it's not going to be one of those but just this first opening scene of just them going to the final day of high school and we just sort of almost get hit with the cast one by one by one by one and they all get their moments in because you know you start off with these two hyping each other up and 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 dancing and everything and then having this chemistry with their teacher miss vine and like comparing crossword puzzles and like jessica williams in this movie very little great funny george and alan you know, they're putting on their little Shakespeare thing and, like, George over-pronouncing Barcelona and stuff like that and Gigi and, and Jared's entrance and Triple A and the boys in the bathroom. Yeah, just you just get hit with them all one after the other after the other and it's just like, oh, look how good everyone in this is and how many of them are related to other famous people. Did not know Billy Lord was Carrie Fisher's daughter. <laughs> when you saw it. Yeah, she, until she... last night and it now makes sense why she's in Star Wars. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, like I-, I think everyone in this is great. Like, how many of these actors did you recognize going into this?
0: The main two. Mm-hmm. That might be it. Obviously, Caitlin Davis. Been around for we we talked about short time twelve, but you know she's been around for a long time. I feel, yeah. The rest of them, I'm just like, who are you? Where did they find you? Why aren't you everywhere?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think an awful lot of them are actually musical theatre people. I know Noel Galvin (laughs) has done a stint on Dear Evan Hansen as Evan Hansen. I knew him from the Real O'Neals. Like a lot of these people are TV people or are going on to be TV people and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just it. Almost all of them are very early on in their careers, but I think Mm -hmm. almost everyone. Who you can think of that's like doing something really good in this movie is going on to do something interesting in the next couple of years, which oh, I don't like.
0: Alan was uh, Justin Bieber in Atlanta
1: everyone is like early on in their careers yeah. and whilst this isn't a big starring role they're all doing interesting things outside of this this isn't like a one-off role in which they're not being found to do other stuff like Molly Gordon plays AAA is going to be in Shiva Baby which is a movie I'm very interested in mm-hmm. seeing With, um, uh,
0: Rachel Slamour yes yeah. they're all doing
1: things that I'm interested in but obviously going into it I think the only one I knew outside of being in Caitlin was Noah Galvin and mostly because I watched three seasons of him on a TV show <laughs>
0: Even a character like Hope Diana Silvers, who they brought her in to read for Ryan, who is Amy's crush, and then you know, ironically, she ends up being who she sort of ends up with. Well, not ends up with, but you know, when she felt she wasn't right for it, so she went for Hope instead. Even her, who basically has this good little opening scene where she's dunking on them for like, did you just get your teacher's phone number? <laughs> And then she basically disappears until the end. But it doesn't feel like she's just appeared from nowhere because she makes that strong first impression. And, like, they just filled this cast up with great people. And, like, I was watching some of the the behind-the-scenes stuff and, like, they're talking about how you basically cast people to be my best friends. And, like, Molly Gordon and Billy Lord, like, just best fucking friends now, apparently.
1: I do love seeing, like, Caitlyn Lieber and Beanie, like, being so Mm. supportive of each other on Instagram.
0: All of that apparently comes from Beanie's... The whole, like, I have no breath and them just sitting there Know, just complimenting each other for five minutes that comes from her apparently
1: I'm very intrigued because obviously like Beanie Feldstein's going on to do Merrily We Roll Along which is a movie we will not see until we're like 40 <laughs> which is insane but I, yeah again like all, a lot of these people are like musical theatre people I think Caitlin Dever is doing Dear Evan
0: Hansen As a movie at some point as well. Beanie is a trained dancer, I know, because I watched them choreographing the uh, incredible (laughs) dance number. (laughs) It it makes sense; they have that energy about them. Whether or just these. Cool, charismatic people.
1: They're all a little bit extra because obviously this is like the one-two punch of Vienni e. Felstein. Who we've talked about Caitlyn Dever We've talked about how she got stuck in like mm. TV hellhole for for a decade because she's on Last Man Standing with with Tim Allen. And yeah. thank uh, God she got away and is getting to do
0: before he could start telling her about Karl Marx. <laughs> dating the podcast as we like to do
1: but yeah like obviously she's stuck there and then she gets to come out of it she's not a regular on the show before Mm -hmm. it got cancelled so she gets time to do book smart and unbelievable and stuff like that in the back end of this decade and starts getting the acclaim that like people who were watching justified in short term 12 at the start of it like this girl's really fucking good Mm -hmm. but yeah beanie is she's doing this movie it's two years after Lady Bird, but she's so fucking good in Lady Bird as Julie, as like the put upon best friend role. And it's amazing how she transitions from this like very integral, very funny supporting role to being able to support this movie. Like I would say she is fractionally more of the lead than Caitlin. Only in terms of the fact that like it's all about her journey to being a better person. In comparison, like Molly is someone who needs to be fully rounded, whereas Amy's story is more like, come on, come out your bubble, yeah. embrace being gay more than you have already embraced being gay. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah.
0: It, Molly is the one that has to go through a change, and like we see that planted in this opening scene where like they're badgering the principal, played by Jason Stakus, no longer with Olivia Wilde. I was shocked to learn. Apparently, they've been split up for most of 2020. Yeah, and but they just only be, just, have just revealed a, it.
1: yeah. Have become a fantastic co-parent which is, is good to hear. Yes,
0: I like them together, they were fun. But yeah, there's that line about, you know, she's like, when I'm up in New Haven, which is where Yale is, and he's like, just say Yale. And she's like, <laughs> you know, there's a policy about not saying the schools we got into because other kids might feel bad or whatever, and it's like, it's planting this seed of kind of looking down on others while thinking that she's morally superior kind of thing. Like, she she feels she is a smart person who has the right priorities and is going places, and yeah. all of these lines loser burnouts are gonna be exactly that they, they partied really hard and they've peaked in high school and that's it for them it's, and then it's, it's, she's it's, shocked to learn that people can both have fun and be smart
1: yeah it's this great <laughs> double-sided thing because you can tell almost entirely that the idea of not telling people where you're going to college is her idea mm-hmm. Like her as class president is like i don't want to annoy people by telling them i've gotten to yale so we'll put <laughs> this thing in but yeah. she doesn't realize that all it does is it prevents her from finding out that all these people got into just as good universities as, as well she did. yeah
0: precisely and you know we get her judging AAA, you know giving roadside assistance as they phrase it and all of this and this is all planted really early on um, and it all pays off so amy's crush ryan invites her you know she's like oh are you coming to nick's party and It's sort of at the exact same time that Molly learns about... Like, they both end up with an impetus to go to a party kind of thing, where, like, Amy wants to see Ryan, Molly learns the popular kids also got into Ivy League schools, so they pledge to go. The soundtrack to this movie is fucking dope. Yes, yes it is. Do you want to, like, throw off a couple of your favourite songs? From the soundtrack. (laughs) I mean Perfume Genius playing in the um, in the pool scene is that's as good as music gets, quite frankly. Yeah. <laughs> obviously artists that are better known like Run the Jewels and Anderson Park are here, but then there's a load of stuff I've never heard before. It plays for ten seconds and then it's over and then I'm like, Oh cool, what was that? Yeah, I mean obviously nobody speak is really good in this movie, which
1: is the <laughs> the DJ Sadder Run the Jewels collaboration. Yeah. yeah i'm just going through uh, the death grips needle drop as they like reveal the car is fucking great yeah. wildfire by subtract as well yeah voiced by lizzo yeah
0: i mean i know that like the music is by dan the automator who has like worked with gorillas and stuff like that but just yeah what a curated list of songs and like, many of them i'm sure if i just listened to them sight unseen kind of thing i'd be like eh, whatever but it all just fits this movie so well and it all you know when they walk into the library in slow motion and they're just like ah, oh, and they've got this like rap music playing over it, it just works so well
1: It's 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 fun in that way where
0: you can tell it's
1: someone who's very in tune with popular music and a lot of this stuff is stuff that I knew so I'm getting very excited when I'm seeing it <laughs> but you also get that like, they're all quite cheap artists, you can get an awful <laughs> lot of these really good songs, like you're not getting a, a 1970s, 1960s artist who's going to ask you for a half a million dollars to like put the song in the movie for 10 seconds <laughs> Yeah but like yeah, no, it's just it's fun, it's good. I think there are some people out there who are like, oh, it's a bit overcreated, it feels a bit too
0: musical. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Like 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 you're trying too hard to prove that you're a hipster. Maybe but
0: I do I think that's the thing about the movie, even though it is clearly written by people who are not in their twenties, it does feel closer to authentic than the vast majority of movies about people this age feel where like it's written by someone based on their experience thirty fucking years ago. And they're like, oh, no, no, I remember what it's like to be a teenager. It's like, yeah, then, you don't know what it's like to be a teenager now. And, like, obviously I wasn't a teenager when I watched this, but it just, it does just feel slightly closer to home. And, like, the cast talk about how, like, I wish I had this movie when I was, like, a few years younger or whatever. Like, they've got little tiny peripheral things, like, talking about gender performance with the way that Ryan dresses and stuff like that and you know the gender neutral bathrooms and scissoring is not a thing is a good line i do like that they um they flip the sexualities of beanie and caitlin where you know beanie's playing straight Caitlyn's playing gay yes. yeah and i think they both play it really well molly feels genuinely legit horny for men and you know who would be so good on her for that Gigi's grand entrance billy lord is just fucking insane in this movie like they wrote extra scenes for her because of how revelatory she was and she just has this such manic energy that she yeah. hurls herself at. She's like a chaotic Roger Rabbit. <laughs> her showing up every like 5-10
1: to ten minutes to like impart absolute nonsense and confuse <laughs> everyone
0: You can't tell anyone, even each other <laughs> Her teleporting around the the, uh, the town is, is great. Yeah, and like Jared even is great, like he's first read like such a fucking douchebag and then by the End of it. It's like, oh, don't be mean to Jared. <laughs> <laughs> Like, when no one's at his party, I'm like, aww. Someone who's just been, like, emotionally
1: destroyed by his parents, teaching <laughs> him that money is, like, the only way to make friends.
0: Yeah. And, like, you know, it's unclear if he is actually even going out with Gigi. Like, he says he isn't when Molly's asking, but then is it just because he has a crush on Molly? And, like, when he has his little thing about, oh, she's a sad person and she's super loyal to me, it's like, oh, God, how are you two the most ridiculous people in the movie? Like, the emotional core. Until the end of his number. just so fucked good and then yeah like as we said like molly learning that everyone got into good schools as well it is really refreshing so it's this classic scene where like she's in a st- she's in a cubicle in the bathroom and then all the cool kids are trashing her and i might be cynical but it is really refreshing for them to not be ragging on her appearance kind of thing oh yeah
1: like the, the way they call her a butter facebook personalities like exactly. all of them are like yeah she's hot but yeah. like <laughs> i just I, I would bang her i just would have to do something about her personality. Put a bag would,
0: over her personality, yeah.
1: <laughs> like, it's it's really... It, it, I, I actually said that as well, where it's like, okay, they're not taking yeah. the obvious joke, or at least they're not doing that thing that these movies do, where it's like, we're gonna say this, we're gonna say someone who obviously is attractive is not attractive.
0: Exactly, yeah. Like, because she, she's a really pretty person, and, like, you know, she's not even that big, but, like, by Hollywood standards, she would be like, right, we'll do all the fat jokes for you kind of thing. It's really nice to not have it be that way. Well and like no one in this movie is really that way, like, they're vicious but in a much more, like, poignant way kind of thing, like, towards the end when Hope is just fucking savage towards Amy with these, like, little observations about her personality and, yeah, it's it's just nice and, like, that line of you know, but you don't care about school and she's like no, we I, we just don't only care about school and so good.
1: Yeah, I just, I like that, like, two of them get into these great schools and then <laughs>
0: Theo's <laughs> not going to college he's just gonna go work for fucking Google
1: which isn't as good as Apple, so, like don't be don't be too jealous <laughs> and harvard was gg's fifth choice harvard was 50 I, I think my favorite though is it is hope isn't it when like hope's just like no 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 i'm not taking part in whatever bullshit you're you're on right now like, i'm not engaging in anything that you're about to do uh... her full-on meltdown is obviously great because obviously you then get the backdrop of like the bell ringing it's the end of the end of their time in high school everything erupts there's like confetti cannons going off they're filling condoms with water and like throwing them
0: around the school caitlin diva playing the auto harp because caitlin diva plays the auto harp in real life <laughs> i like that they have college they have fake ids it's like we have fake college ids to get into a 24-hour library it's like this is a good brand of nerd you know <laughs> and again like it's phrased as nobody knows we're fun it's not this typical like losers and cool kids story it's just like we don't share this side of ourselves with anyone with anyone except each other kind of thing and like it will play out that all of them do like them, they just think they're like overly stick in the muddish kind of thing. And like, yeah, and I, it, it's that thing where, like, when they finally get to the parties,
1: no one is sad to have them there. Yeah,
0: because, it's not like, just oh, the kind of losers like, have arrived. And yeah, like, like Tanner kind of, is like, oh my god, you guys came
1: Wow, if you guys had done this sooner, we'd actually would have like realized, yeah. got to know you and like spent time with you. What they found is they found this incredible like soulmate relationship between the two of them yeah. and basically just burrow down into that relationship at the cost of everything else around them yeah and the movie doesn't disparage them by having this relationship between the two of them but also it's okay but like this isn't what high school's supposed to be about and maybe you could argue that this is an incredibly idealized,
0: yeah, like yeah i was gonna school. say like yeah, it, it is nice that they're all like positive to each other but then that was also probably unrealistic in that no matter what everyone is like they will find reasons to like have like faction wars and bully certain people and like you know the cool kids actually being really nice is probably a little bit too much but it feels like this has been a movement like you know it it's deployed more for comedy in jump street but you know when they're trying to fit in and be stereotypical jocks and then it turns out the jocks are now like conscious of the environment and stuff it's like you know maybe this is a little bit too idealistic but I think it's nice to see this kind of thing I
1: think it's just acknowledging this like there is a millennial culture and you can feel it with or at least not millennial with with Gen Z culture and Mm. you can see it with like the younger generations where they are more woke and they are more like in tune with these kind of things I'm sure there's still all the stereotypical high school bullshit and the ones who are online are very online and very (laughs) engaged in left-wing politics and if you went to an actual high school you'd find maybe not the minority but like the ones that people our age and older are interacting with are the ones who are coming into spaces that are also like with millennial and gen x and and boomers and stuff like that yeah compared to ones who are probably like as standard as your average (laughs) high school school experience but it does feel like there is a turning tide in terms of like the younger generation being yeah. a lot more switched on and, and on the ball with this stuff.
0: So, the girls get ready to go to the party. I love that they assemble essentially the same outfit and then much later Miss Fine will be like, you guys realise you're matching, right? And they just sit there complimenting each other, like, who gave you the right? Who gave... And like, oh, so good.
1: Their jumpsuits look great, though.
0: They do, they both look great. They probably just shouldn't both be wearing them.
1: I do like that as a little joke throughout the movie, is that any time that they change outfits they change outfits into the exact same thing <laughs> uh, they
0: both go sparkly instead of the jumpsuits and yeah it's great stuff they discuss masturbation the panda and I'm like just quick cue what happened to the eye? Like, all that sort of stuff. And I like that she phrases it as, that happened before we were together. <laughs> and then, yes, here are the adults to try and get some star power because everyone's lining up around the block to see Will Forte and Lisa Kudrow. I'm being uh-huh. mean, but they're, they're good, obviously. Yeah, they're
1: good They're good fun. They show up for, like, two scenes in this entire movie. Yeah. This is probably, like, half
0: a day's work for them. <laughs> they have this enormously impressive platter they've pr- slaved over for them. We get the jokes with the panda later on. I mean, there is this thing of, like, you know, it is her, like, last night in America kind of thing, or one of her last nights in America, and she is actually gonna go spend all of her time with molly instead and like molly drives her to the airport and all of this sort of stuff and it's like you know i'm sure she spent some time with her parents and everything but i mean it makes
1: sense why her parents would think that they're boning
0: (laughs) yeah beanie feeling her up and just sort of doing all these little jokes about you know oh we're special friends and (laughs) we're gonna do a korean face mask i don't need to know all the words (laughs) like Just good stuff. So Jared takes them to his birthday party on a yacht instead. They're sort of like, well, we don't know where he lives. How do we get there kind of thing? And they're watching the party online and it it feels emblematic of that thing where like everyone in school follows each other, has each other on whatever even if they're not actually friends i was like facebook friends with a guy that bullied me in school you know it's just like that's just how it is so you all can see each other and, and see the party kind of thing i mean even if you're not necessarily friends obviously he picks them up in the car and
1: the fucking like he's like let's
0: put some tunes
1: on and then it comes up with like <laughs> lean in
0: <laughs> oh i'm so sorry i just love to listen to inspiring women before he just reminded <laughs> me of like
1: the thing that's gone viral of like the feminist fuck boy he's like <laughs> reading maya angelou with like the restaurant and stuff like that but he's just as bad as everyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he even gets down to, like, he has the license plate of fuck boy, yes. and... <laughs> it's just Which far feels...
0: too late to reclaim that slur.
1: So weird, though, because, it's like, he isn't really a fuck boy. I don't Not understand really. what stereotype... I
0: think it's just him desperately trying... I think it's him sort of almost misinterpreting what makes people popular. I think he's seen that it's a thing everyone talks about, and he's interpreted them as popular cool dudes, so he's like, yeah, I'm a fuck boy, and he doesn't actually even understand what it means kind of thing. Um,
1: I think this is... What thing like because obviously maybe in a movie with a bit more time or a bit more time focused on like specific locations you can really dig into Gigi and Jared as like Mm. a counterpoint to Molly and Amy where it's like (laughs) they've also had this high school experience where like they haven't made friends with anyone else outside of it and so Uh. have this like crutch relationship between each other which is like incredibly supportive but incredibly Mm. isolated from everyone else but the thing is, you also have Gigi being chaotic Roger Rabbit jumping around the entire movie and everyone being like, oh, look, Gigi's here. Like, this is great. Like, we like Gigi.
0: And I like that they think they've gotten high by accident when her this powder in a tin box goes all over them and then they think, oh, fuck, we're covered in cocaine. And it's like, no, this is vitamins and then at the party she gives her a, she gives them strawberries which we later find out were like dipped in ayahuasca or whatever can we just talk about how tragic this oh, entire party I is? I can't Ben it's so sad he's such a good boy and nobody's <laughs> at his party and there's iPads and uh, I, I literally put a frowny face emoji in my notes about this party
1: it's the fact that they go in and it's completely empty yeah. and there are more people doing weight service <laughs> than there are guests
0: <laughs> (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I didn't really experience this when I worked with you, but in the place I worked just before you that closed down shortly after I left, there were times where there were more staff than customers, and I was just like, this is sad. But yeah, this is much worse, because this is fucking party.
1: Yeah, this is a party. These are people being hired to be there. They're not doing anything. Like, this is a bad night for them, and all they're thinking is, Jesus Christ, this kid must be unpopular.
0: And that they're just, you know, like, Molly is offered, like, four different hors d'oeuvres kind of thing. She's like, Jesus fucking Christ! Amy talking about how Gigi's trying to get her to get high and she's like I think it would be good for you <laughs> and she's like yeah I just got I accident, I ate like a pot brownie in Amsterdam and I just got really sad about the fact my mum's gonna die one day and like again that feels like a thing that you know not every kid does drugs and fucking loves it you know like there are people that just have a very bad time so Billy Lord wanted to do the dive off the side of the boat she was fully game she was like yeah I'll jump and they were like the water is so dirty you will have to wear a tampon to prevent infection and she's like Oh. Um... <laughs> maybe not and then they get a professional cave diver in to do the jump off the side and she's just short of being too much. In worse hands with worse editing maybe slightly worse writing it's like oh this character's obnoxious but. Yeah
1: I think there's just the right amount of her Yeah, and she shows up at just the right points throughout the movie that like it never feels overwhelming. Again there is a world in which she is bumped up to third lead and is the equivalent of (laughs) McLovin in this movie. And like not to say that McLovin, like McLovin obviously works better in bigger doses, Mm. but there is a point where it's like McGlovin is involved in my least favourite part of that movie, but that's more because of the police (laughs) abuse element. Well he is
0: you know, for as memeable as he became he is the odd one out in that story. Like the heart of the story is Seth and Evan. And he's just kind of... Yeah, he's the catchphrase or whatever at the side, but... So, they keep trying to find the party at Molly's insistence. Like, Amy's happy to just go home. Like, oh, look, we got a story. We went out. Let's go home. Well, she gets Malala'd. (laughs) She does get Malala'd. Uh, Malala, Yusuf... Oh, God, I haven't tried to say this before. Yusuf... No, not gonna try it. Um, (laughs) Yes, she Malala's her. Just the the friendship pact of, you know, you must do this. Uh, And, of course, Molly will later not respect this when it's done back to her, because... Molly needs to check some stuff about herself. That principal shows up as the lift driver. He feels like he's got a few too many lines in this movie, but I get it. Like, he probably worked for free because he's Olivia Wilde's husband and he wanted to be supportive. The orcs connection going in while they're watching porn to learn the mechanics. And then him saying, was that Cardi B? That is where it starts to feel a bit like, was this written by somebody (laughs) who's a little bit too old? Yeah, Um, but then
1: ironically, we do have Cardi B releasing a song in 2020
0: (laughs) called... Okay, fair. Be psychic that they
1: know this is going to happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't have sound effects in it.
1: <laughs> Would you be surprised no. if WAP has sound effects? No. As someone very astutely pointed out, it's a shame that 2020 has robbed us of WAP in a club experience, although it might be what too powerful. Happen?
0: What would even happen? We'll find out eventually, but not right now. So they end up at George's murder mystery party instead because Alan gave them directions to this party instead of the other one. And I love that he is
1: so extra that, like, on the night <laughs> of the big end of high school graduation party, he throws a murder mystery party that's over by 11 so he can then get over to, like, the actual yeah. rage that's going on.
0: And I like that his family are just in the kitchen while he's having this insane party. And, like, that is the thing. Like, all of these people... Like, I think it is actually set in, like, full-on L.A. And, like, all of many of them are clearly from a lot of money so yeah
1: i mean the fact that every single like they go to a fucking yacht they go to a house that's got (laughs) like the the kitchen looks like something that you would expect to see like a bunch of servants walking around i was gonna say
0: it's got big southern former plantation house energy (laughs) despite being in la and then
1: finally obviously go to the house that like that the actual big party's at and like there's a swimming pool and so many different rooms and
0: feels like you know the house that david Duchovny would live in in californication you know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, it feels like Bojack's house, whatever. I like that Amy actually is into her character she's assigned, of this, like, farmer that's come into the city, and then Molly's like, why do I have to be barren?! <laughs> just this little character thing, and Gigi's there, and like, and like, oh wow, this person's really good, she's, like, wailing about her dead husband or whatever, and, <laughs> and it's like, oh hey, it's me! And then, yeah, her insane energy again, dragging them in, telling them where the party is, and she's just great. And then we get the Barbie sequence! <laughs> which was Olivia Wilde's idea. It is animated by Shadow Machine, who worked on BoJack Horseman, from Olivia Wilde's time guest-starring in BoJack Horseman. And it's just really good, isn't it? <laughs> it?
1: I think it's the most hilarious sequence in the movie, because it's like, it's so out there, and it's so funny, and like there's so <laughs> many- It's Caitlin
0: Diva, like getting turned on by her own body. <laughs> Caitlin
1: Diva getting turned on by her own body. The <laughs> use of like, I like the dichotomy between like, we want to be good feminists, mm-hmm. look how stupid it is, how the proportions are, but but also, you'd want to look like this, wouldn't you? Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't reject if you were proportioned this way, even if it's unrealistic. Yeah. Like,
0: isn't this ridiculous? Our legs don't bend, and they're twice the size of our torso. And like, look, I don't even have nipples, just mounds, just perfect mounds. And I'm just like, my, my, my.
1: I think the weird thing about it is, and this isn't a complaint really about it, because it's still absolutely hilarious, is mm. neither Beanie nor Caitlyn have distinct enough voices when they're voicing this stuff. So they sound, like, not off, but it's just, like, I, I couldn't tell which one is which just really? from, like, yeah, I don't know what it is. Like, okay. Every single time I've watched this scene, I'm just sat there going, like... Well, the almost, dolls do look like them as well. No, no, sure, In the face, sure. I
0: don't know, I, I thought, particularly when Amy's, like, you know, <laughs> looking at her own vagina, like, I was like, that's definitely her kind of <laughs> It's just ridiculous and funny and, like, that we don't know what they were actually doing... <laughs> While we're seeing this, because they come downstairs fully clothed, and you hope that they didn't literally get naked and stare at themselves in the mirror.
1: The other thing that reminds me of most is obviously the the, the drug scene from Twenty One Jump Street. <laughs> There's a lot of that energy to it, but yeah,
0: it's just really good. And like that's again a thing where like first watch, I was like in hysterics, and now I'm just like, this is smart. Like, isn't this just a fun, good movie that's well done? So Gigi, in amongst her insanity casually drops that molly has a crush on nick who is the dumbass vice president student vice president who she claims to despise um and then obviously you know such a cliche she fancies him and amy then pledges right we're gonna find the fucking party we'll go to our research and find our way to this party and there is, again, this sort of element of snobbery from Molly where she's sort of like, I can't be attracted to someone like him. And it's like, all right, chill the fuck out. He's a person. When she's sort of dissing herself and Amy slaps her and she's like, how dare you say that about my best friend? And it's like yeah they're just such good friends I love them um and they walk into the library obviously and do their research and I like that they walk into the library to do research and then they actually just find out by looking on Twitter and Theo punched 15 pizzas so they just go to the pizza place and reverse trace it that way
1: yeah but we get a great needle drop when they walk into oh, the of course. Into library
0: of course it's great that's one of the ones I called yeah. out what is the name of the fucker in the uh ah, Mike O'Brien yes Pat the pizza guy yes just critiquing their attempted like stick up and like don't show me your passcode and like do you have a gun no well i do like what are you doing i could have you over state lines in half an hour
1: the thing that confuses me about this scene is the way that he acts around them is like i don't you know obviously like the the culmination of this little subplot <laughs> does not feature his return i'm just kind of sat there going like apart from like when he's got like a fully thought out plan of what he's going to do to these people <laughs> he it almost feels like they set up an innocent man to like
0: maybe he's go, not like, their type of murder victim that's, that's i I'm mean thinking, they're not kinda, his like, type even <laughs>
1: And, like, what I wish the movie did was, like, explain what his type of murder victim was. Because in this scene, he's like, you're doing this wrong, this is dumb, imagine how hurt you could be. And, like, he's sat there going,
0: like, yeah, I know, I've strangled God knows how many people. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then Miss Fine takes them the rest of the way, listening to Jurassic Five, lending them her clothes... And then she's all like, imagine if I went in, that'd be weird, right? And she does ultimately end up fucking a 20-year-old.
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people had issues with that, I think, in the discourse about this movie. is like how icky the power dynamics in that are. And it doesn't matter that they put in the plot that he was held back a couple of grades. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter that, like, it's a woman and and a man, especially when, I think, an awful lot of the time when this stuff gets reported, it is quite often a female teacher and and a male student. It is, isn't it?
0: It's almost like they cover it up when it's the other way around. (laughs) Um.
1: But like there is an ickiness To the power dynamic I don't think there's any way to fix it Other than to excise it entirely
0: Well I mean he takes a shot at a party And she's like all right, fuck it, rather than, like, she was grooming him or anything like that. Like, she's not stringing him along in the school, I just completely forgot one of my favourite things is when Jared is like, for my favourite teacher, and she's like, I've never taught you. He's like, yeah, but I've heard good things.
1: Is that the only way that you make it seem better, is if it's Theo is the one?
0: Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, school isn't technically over, and, you know, regardless of whether it's teacher, student, the age is is also the concern. But I think it is made slightly better by the little bit of work they put in of making her actually sound a little bit unhinged during this drive, where she's like, oh yeah, I did nothing but study, and then I was fucking depressed and acting the fuck out in my 20s. It's like, okay, this woman doesn't quite have it all together.
1: Can we talk about just a brief sidebar? Have you Mm. heard of The Package?
0: This feels like a trick question. No?
1: (laughs) It's a Netflix movie. Okay. That came out in 2018. It stars... Theo, Eduardo Franco, and also, oh, is this
0: the one where like they make their symbol like it's just the aubergine emoji? They possibly, pop yeah.
1: <laughs> Basically, it's a movie, in, a black comedy in which a group of teens go away till on a spring break camping trip, and then I believe it's Theo who cuts his penis off, and then they have to try and get his penis reattached. Yes, and,
0: with with Geraldine in it as well. Yeah, really. yeah, I considered watching it because she's in it, but then it's like this does also just seem really. Bad though. Just about, like <laughs> I don't understand why you'd make that movie. So they at last arrive at the party and things seem to go well. So we get the fancy dance sequence. I don't know if you've seen the extended version where they go outside and kiss, but it's delightful. I don't think I have. I'll have to okay. look that up and see. I can it's only it. like 30 seconds longer, but they go outside and do some slightly cringier moves, and then it ends with a kiss by the pool kind of thing. They had a lot of fun choreographing that. Just a fun little sequence. As we said earlier, Tanner is like really welcoming and accommodating of them. Gigi shows up yet again out of nowhere miss fine does walk in and and that goes how it goes (laughs) amy and brian do karaoke alanis morissette the little leg touch is is a nice thing which is like oh my god i'm having the best time of my life because my crush is touching my leg possibly by accident but who cares i'm high right now (laughs) george sort of mocking the kind of weird way that alanis morissette (laughs)
1: So, a faux lisp and then yeah. going down with a microphone. i <laughs> sort gets of to
0: mocking the, the way Alana's Morissette sometimes sings. It's almost a shame that Amy kind of crushes it with the final line, but then I do like they throw in that little thing of George critiquing her breath control. It's like, you know, it's on it's on, it's on pitch, but you know, <laughs> she's obviously not a professional. Nick sounds a lot like his father in the beer pong scene. It's like, you know, maybe we just haven't gotten to hear him actually talk until now, but it kind of struck me while they were playing beer pong. It's like, yeah, you really are keyboarding Ingenious, genius, son. The fucking Harry Potter thing. Oh, I mean, well, she's a fucking Slytherin. Half Slytherin, half Ravenclaw. Thank you. Oh, yes. Yeah, so what, that which, just which your,
1: I think is my house combination. If people were to give it to me. Okay, is what I've been told.
0: Okay, okay. I've never had the pleasure of someone trying to cast me into a into a house, and like you know, obviously fuck JK Rowling, but it feels so on point, you know, and like they're... I want I
1: want to nail you as like a
0: Gryffindor Hufflepuff. Yeah, probably. I am boringly generic like that. <laughs> so yeah, it is all going really well. Like Molly is being really charismatic, and like she had an opportunity to kiss him. You know, the whole like how tall do you think I am thing. That's an invitation to kiss. That's just that's just science. But then Amy spots their crush making out in the pool with each other and attempts to hide it from Molly to protect her and they have a huge argument and Amy reveals she's not just leaving for Africa for the summer but for the whole year so before it comes crashing down the pool scene is revelatory. I feel most movies would insist that all of these teens are wearing like lingerie and they'd hire some girl that's clearly like 29 with huge fake tits and be like oh look look at this 18 year old and it's shot just artistically and and it's great and soundtracked perfectly and...
1: Yeah, it's, it's really good. I really like that. I don't think there's any maliciousness to Nick and Ryan making out either. Mm-hmm. I don't think... Either they're not aware of, like, the, the work that their crushes are doing, or it's like, well, neither of them have made a move yet, so I'm just gonna go for someone who is yeah. more up
0: for it. Like, it, like in Nick's defence, like, Molly has, like, barely spoken to him until tonight, and it's like, yeah, we were vibing just now, and I am having a nice time, and maybe if she tried to kiss him or you know if if he hadn't left for a minute maybe they would have kissed but like it's an outlier in their relationship and maybe ryan and nick do have some kind of ongoing vibe that neither of them know about and like there's also that thing of like are nick and ryan the people you two think they are kind of thing like are you idealizing ryan i don't know if she is supposed to be bi maybe she's just straight and that like amy just assumes that she's bi slash queer like you know like we don't know and yeah that,
1: i think I, the movie never making a statement on that is, yeah. is nice like it's not like the movie goes like just because she kisses nick she is definitely straight it's like yeah this is just the person that she's decided to make out with
0: yeah and on equally this even. just because she dresses the way she does and has the look she does doesn't mean she's not a straight girl you know like we have this great little one shot of her getting out of the pool and walking back into the party and everything i think somebody who worked on birdman helped with this shot I think Olivia Wilde said that's cool and then they have this Amy tries to invoke Malala back at her to make her leave, and she says no, and Molly is a bit of a hypocrite, she is a bit of a, like, I don't want to say she's a user, but, you know, she has a bit she's, of that about her. She has this idea that like, I'm right, and I'm gonna,
1: what I decide is best for my friend is what's best for my friend. Yeah, her she's, big
0: critique is that she she's too meek, and she doesn't assert herself enough, and if I didn't get us to do things, we would do nothing, and, like, she believes that that overrides everything, and that, like, how Amy feels, you know, she's just being silly, kind of thing. They have this argument that, like, both of them crush. It is so... There is not an ounce of melodrama here. It is not unbelievable. It is so emotionally charged. Everybody is looking at them. I love the slow
1: revelation that in the background people are paying attention to them and the the camera, light goes on to get the better shot of them. And, like, I'm glad the movie doesn't do that thing where, like, this clip goes viral, but it's that very (laughs) teenage response of, like, oh, shit, someone's having an argument, I'm going to record this. That feels very astutely realised. I love... The way the camera is panning back and forth between the two of them, mm. putting the focus on whoever's talking at that point in time, yep. and then just as it gets supposedly like quite vicious and they start swearing at each other, the sound completely drops out of the scene, and you don't hear what are presumably like the very mean things that they say. I did think like, yeah. can I find what they actually say to each other? <laughs> but I actually kind of like the idea that like I don't know what the very hurtful, truthful things. That they it say doesn't to each matter. Other
0: are. Yeah, it almost doesn't matter. Like we don't need to hear it. it what matters is that they're going there with each other kind of thing. Yeah, and then
1: obviously it finishes off with Molly going like fuck you as like the final line of it and then Amy goes to the bathroom because it's like the rest of them have been like swearing to emphasise what they're saying but like yeah. the specific fuck you to you.
0: And to do it so matter-of-factly like that it makes it way worse if you like fuck you kind of thing you know like it, it's the it's the emphasis on it. But off Amy goes to lock herself in the bathroom and almost have sex with Hope. They start to get down but then Amy is it chewing tobacco or something? Like that. I think it's just like a cigarette cup that's
1: in the bathroom. Oh, okay. like...
0: Yeah, so yeah, she tries to take a little sweat. Like, you know, she is not sexually experienced. She accidentally goes for the wrong hole, tries to like have a drink to like calm down, drinks something that is not just alcohol, whether it be gum or cigarettes or whatever, like, and then vomits, obviously, and ruins it. But like, before they start getting it on, they are both so devastatingly mean to each other. And like, hope is like, I don't like meek people. And like, obviously that's a delicate situation because you don't want to condemn anyone for just being who they are. But equally like, Molly has that line later about like, women apologize too much. Take up space, be loud, like be assertive of who you are. Don't wither away from, like, patriarchal expectations, like, these characters are both presented as, like, strong feminists and everything, so I don't think it's quite like that, but, like, there is definitely a sort of fear of for Amy to, like, fully embrace who she is. Like, you know, she says she came out two years ago, kind of thing, but, like, how out is she, you know? like I agree, like, yeah. I like that
1: she's come out, she's obviously very open about it, but yeah. it's almost the point of, like, because she has such a intense relationship with Molly, it's, yeah. like, the only time it would come up would be in person with people who who she doesn't interact with all that much? Like she isn't stretching outside. She isn't dating. She isn't finding yeah. people who might like her. Like maybe and she's she's as, like,
0: like affixed all of her affections on somebody who like she feels designed in a lab to be unobtainable for her kind of thing. Like it feels like a safe crush to have rather than like here's Hope right in front of her who he had no indication. Was anything, and they seem to immediately once they get past being mean to each other and like an awkward sexual encounter, seem to have way more chemistry than she does with Ryan. Like easily, and it's just that thing of like she hasn't allowed herself to like really. I don't want to say shop around, but you know. <laughs> I do like the line earlier on the movie
1: when they're talking about her crush from Ryan, and you go mm. like you go from the <laughs> white cat in Aristocats to a big thing. Which, I, think. which <laughs> I, I like that they do. That feels like such a specifically female mm-hmm. noted
0: having like, a crush. I, on an animated character or like the pink power ranger or something like that you know like that it is ostensibly i mean obviously it's aimed at children but like yeah something has awoken in you on a subconscious level um, but i also enjoy
1: like it's not the obvious yeah. character to have a crush on like it's like the white cat and the Aristocats, like obvious oh, obviously the the like incredibly famous like awkward disney character crush is is robin hood made Marion. <laughs> I yeah. like it's like it's like it's not even an
0: anthropomorphised cat, it's just a cat. It's, like, the funniest thing cat. about it. And, you know, she fucks a panda every night. <laughs> she um, does fuck a panda. Oh, God, we so She's a furry, man, I'm Amy's, telling you. Amy's a furry. Amy's a furry. But, yeah, and I think we've all been in this situation where, like, she doesn't feel quite right. We convince ourselves, especially as teenagers, early 20-year-olds, like, this situation will never present itself again. This is a solar eclipse. Like, this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing. I must power through and, and have this moment because it will never come around again again but she probably isn't in a great state of mind for this even if it's like oh wow i'm making out with a girl like
1: yeah she's she's like the the combination of things like she's presumably had alcohol she's coming down yeah. from a, a drug trip <laughs> she's just had a fight with her best friend yeah she's like wet and in a dress that's probably like feeling very uncomfortable right now like in a <laughs> locked room in which i think she was smoking and like light and everything like that it's like yeah. everything about this is wrong
0: yeah and, and yet, then also trying to be upfront about she's not done this before and then she makes a tiny faux pas that like Hope would have happily laughed off and kept going like she's not like um get off me She's just like oh that's just not what you think it is but let's keep going but like
1: I mean, even, even down to the point where like when she throws up I think it could have continued if she yeah. hadn't specifically thrown up on Hope
0: well I don't know brush your teeth when you throw up i am be
1: sure but like the amount of times that like you hear stories
0: at like house parties people are gross They're hornier than they are smart. That is the human race.
1: Especially when they're, like, less than 21. (laughs) Or less than any age, to be honest.
0: So Diana Silvers praised Olivia Wilde for making this scene comfortable. She was like, you know, I had never kissed a girl ever, let alone on camera. You know, you don't see anything, but, like, they're getting undressed on camera and kind of thing. Like, these scenes can be insanely uncomfortable but like she praised like olivia wilde being such a strong presence in that scene and it is filmed in a non-male gazy way the bras are kept on it's shot
1: from like the waist up so you don't actually see anything but you know that yep. both of them are like naked from the waist down
0: yeah winnie the pooh in it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame that that originated from a fucking sex offender <laughs> meanwhile molly is bonding with jared <laughs> Gigi yells i'm a golden starfish <laughs> And, you know, he, like, reveals he wants to write musicals, and then she realises the truth for herself, sees Nick and Ryan making out, and it's like, Amy was just trying to protect you, and, like, maybe she would have told you later, but maybe she just thought, I'll spare her the pain. And then, yeah, the, the police arrive... Amy gets arrested creating a diversion and then Molly is picked up by AAA and they have a heart-to-heart and I like her little thing of, like, it makes sense to have sex at a car. Like, I don't want to have my parents walk in and and all that sort of stuff. And that she's so bothered that the girls say mean stuff about her as well. And Molly feels the need to quite rightly point out that Amy actually objects to them calling her that at the beginning of the film. It's like, you know, that loyalty is still there even if they've just had that huge... I mean, I know she's just found out that, like, she was doing the right thing but like it's just nice that she feels the need to be like oh Amy's cool Amy didn't say that about you
1: it's nice because it's like it's similar to that scene earlier on where like they're not insulting her Mm appearance and it's like i knew the boys would do it because boys are crass Mm -hmm. it's more insulting that girls are laughing at me because of my like how i find my pleasure
0: it is still such a thing and i really hope that in our lifetime it goes away of just like shaming women for enjoying sex it does suck but it feels authentic and like for a movie that you know we've said how it feels almost naive or idealistic it is something that like yeah i mean she probably would get some shit if there were rumors that she'd like fucked some boys in cars, kind of thing, and like girls slut shaming her, kind of thing, and then we get our final scenes, like Molly bails Amy out of prison by. I love, I love that she
1: wakes up late,
0: like she's <laughs> she's late for her
1: graduation. Yeah, and then she gets like looks at her phone, and her phone is just completely blown up because obviously, like everyone's like, shit, look at this thing that Amy did for us. Yeah, the only person we know who can actually like, get in contact with Amy is Molly, and so she gets like <laughs> the video of Amy being dragged out by the police where like she's just talking and she's like i love the little bit where she's like
0: (laughs) there's more prisons than universities and it (laughs) costs more
1: more. universities shotgun i'm just kidding i don't have a shotgun
0: and she's like it costs more to house an inmate than it is for tuition at stanford or whatever you know some cutting truths in her grand like mclovin esque getting dragged away by the police scene
1: weird how many similarities there are to Superbad in this movie. It's just saying them out loud, like the awkward sexual encounter being taken away by the police, yeah. the, the big fight before they go away to college and all the rest of it. Like, I don't know if it's because this genre is so packed full of tropes, or if it is because... Mm. This movie is actually subconsciously rebuking Superbad in some ways.
0: I think a little bit of that. Like, you know, at the time, Superbad felt almost like a smart teen comedy compared to what you usually get. And then this makes it look like a fucking misogynistic wet dream, you know? (laughs) (laughs) It looks like a dumb frat boy comedy in comparison, but I do think at the time it was, like, shockingly poignant to see them, like, actually have a heart-to-heart and object to certain things that we're trained that teens are like, yeah, let's do this. It feels like, you know, I don't like that thing of, like, it's this for girls, but it does kind of have that energy. Like, right, let's make fucking teen comedies where we represent women. Because it's always, always, always a group of bros and, like, maybe there's a token girl in the group kind of thing.
1: I, but I also, I'm scared that that's the reason why it didn't do so well. Is I know, because, yeah. And it's yeah. such a such a stereotype of, like, boys don't go see girl films. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because an awful lot of time when we think of girl films, it's these incredibly pandering things that are like, look, we've made a thing for girls. Tee-hee-hee. Look, we've made the cover <sighs> pink Look, we've done, like, all these, like, mm-hmm. gender-conformative, gender-binary things to, like... These are the stereotypes of what a girl is and what a girl likes. And it's like, sure, but look at all the girls who grow up to be in film criticism and the arts and stuff like that. And obviously those things are things that get built up on because they're things you just get shown or whatever. But more often than not, you find that a lot of women who go into creative sides and women who go into these kind of things, they like the same movies that men do. It's just they wish that there were more female leads in them and yeah. well, was or pe- that, at I- least they had a feminist voice or a female voice in the creative room
0: there was like a male film critic who claimed that women don't get good fellas and he got absolutely torn apart by like women who were like I understand it, I like it shut up, this idea that like Male stuff is for everyone because it's great, and women stuff is in a corner and is just for girls and is bad and is lesser than and like oh it's Lady Ghostbusters and oh it's Lady Superbad and it's like it's, or just let's celebrate. Look, women are on the fucking screen more than three yeah. of them, and you're recognising it as a majority or whatever.
1: And it's why we've tried so hard, and obviously why we've we've struggled to include female directors, and why yeah. there are more female directors in this miniseries than we've had in in any other miniseries so far. Yeah. But well, obviously, this is only our second. this is our second female director yeah. series, but we've got one more coming up.
0: yeah and like you know I've, I feel bad about that, of course I do. But... but I think again, that is it's not a
1: commentary on us not liking them because when female well, directors yeah. come around and <laughs> are good, we like them and want to want to support them hell. I think we might have more female led movies on this list than <laughs> yeah. Than male led movies potentially.
0: Yeah, and that in itself was a fight for a long time where like I mean, it's not happening fast enough, but it is happening where like women weren't leads, women were romantic interests for men. And, and male stories and stuff and like you know you are slowly getting more female writers but then it's a male director and, and and stuff like that and then you're starting to get more female directors and hopefully we can reach this place again as i said sooner rather than later but i mean something like this it's such a shame that it is considered a well i don't know if it'd be considered a failure but like it's a sh- it's a shame it was not a bigger success um, yeah,
1: Shame not a big success. Obviously, Olivia Wilde. Obviously, Olivia Wilde is directing something now, which hopefully is good. We haven't touched on the fact that she's being going to do a superhero movie after that. Yeah,
0: she's off to do the the all female Spider Man movie, either yes. Spider Woman or Spider Gwen or Silk. And, Don't know. And
1: hopefully, she doesn't get swallowed up into that yeah. realm and only exclusively make superhero movies going well, forward.
0: Well, she's bringing Katie Silverman with her and again the fact that this is a product of four writers and they all brought very different things and like she does katie silberman does have the weakest resume of those four women When it comes to like writing chops, but you know, I think I think
1: all of them have got like, or most of them have got like something that is could be seen as being bad on their CVs. I think the important thing to note is that like presumably that kind of thing got noted to death, got rewritten by by men and all the rest of these things, and because obviously these are funny women, I'm not saying that like they can't write scripts. Because obviously you look at this movie and it's really fucking good, but in the case of isn't it romantic? In the case of (laughs) the spy who dumped me, there's obviously deeper
0: things going on there. As I said, like I hope that we get some of the Booksmart energy going with them. You know, I hope you don't hire Olivia Wilde because you're expecting something other than this, you know? Like, she's a sought-after name because of Booksmart now. I would imagine... Whatever she makes, if it succeeds, she does one more. But you know, I like you. I hope she doesn't just do superhero stuff. But it would be good to have more women doing superhero movies yeah. in general. So I mean,
1: I mean, it's like you look at the the, the people that we've covered on this podcast, and obviously, Jon Favreau in the last ten years <laughs> only made one movie that isn't a CGI massive budget movie, and it's probably his his best movie of the last ten years, mm. and it's the one that's personal. And obviously, like it's still him talking about the superhero culture in. <laughs> in its own way and I'm not saying that John Favreau is like someone who I think is going to create the next masterpiece but like nah. when they get swallowed up into this CGI machine you see it happen with directors like Robert Zemeckis and you see it happening with uh, Ang Lee at this point as well where like technology and budgets and stuff like that start to overtake their careers and it's just like yeah, just make something for you something that like you actually care about and you're not pushing forward technology or you're not pushing forward a 200 million dollar budget with no artistry yeah. behind it
0: so Molly trades the information about the pizza guy to get Amy out. We listen to Run the Jewels while they speed to graduation in Jared's car. Jared is giving Molly's speech without changing any of the pronouns or the names. That's fun. Gigi's playing piano, because of course she is. You get the awkward Miss Fine and Theo scene the morning after, where like, you know, she approaches what she thinks is him, to be all like, oh hey. And then when he does walk up to her, she's like, mm, no, no, I regret it, bye, go away. But yeah, I don't think we need to talk about that any more than we already have. Molly kisses Jared, which is nice, mm-hmm. good for him. The reaction that gets from everyone, like George getting out of his chair and cheering that, and like just seeing all of them actually laughing and smiling and like not being like, oh, the fucking loser's talking kind of thing. And that her speech, you know, she's clearly changed it a bit because she's like okay I was a big fucking snob and I get it you're all cool people go to college I've thrown in a swear blah 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 Nick and Ryan are sitting together at graduation is a nice tiny little thing and A is smiling and yeah it's all just good stuff yeah and then we get to spend one last time with all the friends we've made across the movie and yeah. them all being nice people one of them will get one more scene because Hope calls on Amy the day before or the day she's leaving or whatever and they exchange numbers you get the little gross out moment with Amy's parents seeing the panda and hugging and kissing it and like, <laughs> Molly slapping it down before, before Will Forte can touch it kind of thing in a scene that you 100% know they had to cut it exactly there because Beanie started laughing <laughs> the second later kind of thing. <laughs> Beanie's fucking faces while she's watching this meat unfold outside the window are incredible. <laughs> awkwardly and it's like oh here are your clothes back and you may not know what you were doing but i was having fun essentially and like it is kind of sad because it's like don't go to africa for a year now hang out with this cool chick who likes you but you know and then we don't know where they're both going to college so like, they may never see each other again but you know she had a successful first outing as somebody who actually reached out as a queer woman as opposed to just fixating on a woman she'll never have kind of thing so even on that level it's it's quite nice and then uh, Molly drops Amy off at the airport but they delay it a bit and go and get pancakes and it's just again similar to Superbad where like they're trying to do a casual goodbye and they just keep saying bye over and over and doing the sort of oh yeah you gotta get that and all that you know like trying to make it breezy and not quite having the language to be like look sincerely I love the fuck out of you I'm gonna miss you and then you get unchained melody playing over the top (laughs) of the scene (laughs) And then they just end it nice with like, "Let's go get pancakes." I'm like, "Fuck yeah, I do." It's just really lovely and like, yeah,
1: yeah, fucking joyous movie. Like, I watched it earlier on this year and was like, "God, this movie was so good." And then again on this rewatch, I'm just like, "No, I'm doing it a disservice not having it in my like best of the 2010s." Like, I fucking adore this thing. Yeah, and, it's it, such an it, easy rewatch.
0: If you if you've listened to all of this and you haven't seen it, I mean, we've kind of spoiled a lot of it for you, but please fucking watch it. It's it should be like required viewing for a lot of people and more stuff like this please and it made me so excited for Olivia Wilde's career kind of thing you know like not a lot of actors transition over to the other side of the camera and do make a really good go of it and you know maybe this is lightning in a bottle and her next movie kind of sucks but this is a hell of a debut you know having such a good cast and such a good script does a lot of lifting for you but there is throughout the movie as we said some hints at her being actually good at this kind of thing like from the direction standpoint and yeah i just i look forward to what comes next from her and what comes next for us is Knives Out next week. Ben fought very hard to break his own rules he set up and let us talk about The Last Jedi, but I'm sorry. If you're going to be a stickler for rules and insist on all these things about no repeat directors and stuff like that, we are sticking to it. So I'm sorry you have to settle for Knives Out, but we're going to have a nice time anyway.
1: I fucking love Knives Out. I fucking love <laughs> Last Jedi, as it should be very clear from the way we've done this. I'm just <laughs> sad that I haven't had a chance to talk Last Jedi on this network.
0: Look, i I'll tell you what at some point we're gonna do a tiny mini series where we go back around and you get to talk about all the things that I have with Mike or whoever else and you haven't gotten to and we'll just get your thoughts on everything all right it'll be like the Joker episode but I like them <laughs> more Joker thoughts. Matt was a coward and he got talked (laughs) down by Mike. He's very good at shouting me down. I don't know how he does it, but... Yeah, Yeah, I I let you talk. You can can say things. You can say the wrong things.
1: (laughs) I will will not comment on them.
0: That will be next week. (laughs) <laughs> Knives Out, good movie. Knives Out, good movie. We'll be talking about it next week. Until then, Benjamin, can you answer for me a question as old as time? Will there be movies?
1: There will be movies, but they will not feature such sparkly or great jumpsuits as this one did. Oh.
0: Right, we're going to do a photo op for the podcast, and we're going to wear matching jumpsuits. <laughs> like will it be
1: socially distanced so we can have like two awkward photos put together where we're in like completely different locations?
0: Yeah. All right, we're going to go organize that. Bye. <laughs>